good evening, this is Steve from the Retroman blog and welcome to this very special edition of Retrosonic Podcast where I'm very pleased to say that we're joined by Chris Wilson from The Flaming Groovies. Good evening. Good evening, Chris. And rock photographer and number one Flaming Groovies fan, Mr Paul Slattery. Good evening. Great to be here with you. Thanks for joining us, Chris. My pleasure. I think it's good timing to get you into our little studio because... uh, or top room of the pub, sorry. <laughs> because you've top just my released your brand new album, your new solo album called It's Flaming Groovy. Yes, It's Flaming Groovy uh, has come out at uh, the beginning of uh, July. After months of careful work and planning, um, with uh, all kinds of uh, ex-Flaming Groovies on it and um, other, other um, great musicians, um, Robin Wilson the Barracudas, um, Matthew Fisher from Procol Harum, and um, a, a, a cast of thousands, of dozens anyway. <laughs> was, this, was this recorded before the Flaming Groovies reunion recently? Or it was. It? it was recorded um, uh, starting, um, I, I suppose, at the uh, beginning of 2012. And it was a bit of a feat um, because... Um, obviously, we would have liked to have ever had everyone in the studio, um, but uh, things being as they are in this uh, crisis of, of economics <laughs> in the world yeah. at the moment, um, but through the miracle of, of modern technology, people were mm. able to MP3 their parts over, which mm. was that's amazing. That's, that's amazing so, uh, remote, a thoroughly modern album. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, remote it's, it's not the yeah. way we like to do it, but mm. um, uh, you know, needs must. Indeed. Mm. Uh, and so um, there's uh, most of the flaming groups are on it: George Alexander, Cyril Jordan, James Farrell, uh, Michael Wilhelm. Uh, Roy Loney. Um, oh, so you got some of the old groups. Oh, indeed, as well. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Andy Woodard, uh, our stalwart drummer from uh, from down Rye Gateway, and uh, um, so so it must be great to, to finally, have re- uh, you know, uh, to have the album out now. You it, know? it is finally. Um, yes, it was. It was a long, uh, a long hard birth. You know. Should we listen to one of the? Uh, one of the songs of it. Which one do you want us to hear? Yes, I think "Sweet Anne" is uh, is quite a nice one. It's it's kind of um, it's a bit "Exiles and Main Street." Um, uh, lovely, lovely playing on that. Um, uh, uh, piano is especially nice, and slide guitar. And um, I think that uh, yeah, it's a good sampler. Fantastic. So let's hear it now. Let's hear it now. "Sweet Anne" by Chris Wilson. Fantastic. And and uh, Anthony Clark. And answer the call. Coffee cup 
from the new album it's Flaming Green yeah. and that's available from all good record stores if there are any left um, and uh, the pretty much <laughs> yes um, Amazon and um, um, whatever the rest of them are and they can check your website out as well Chris can't yes, they yes uh, absolutely um, put Flaming Groovy in the F L A M I N hyphen G-R-O-O-V-Y not I-E well I don't want to use you know the band's thunder but you know well it all comes from the same place yeah 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 good and are you going to are you going to sort of do some gigs solo to promote the album well I'm waiting to hear about that that hopefully that will be happening at some point later this year oh great excellent when you got this album together was this the catalyst that got the Flaming Groovies reunion it was pretty much um yeah, Cyril and I had spoken, and um, uh, w- w- the Groovies, uh, not the Groovies, but Cyril and Roy had come over with the A-Bones um, in uh, the spring of 2011, and uh, Cyril and I kind of, you know, um, saw each other and just, you know, just gave each other a big man hug. <laughs> and um, and and um, uh, you know we started talking again and um, the Barracudas a year ago in May were invited to play in Tokyo and we we had gone over to play Tokyo for five days um, well we were there for five days we only played two gigs during that time the promoter Tetsuya Nakatani had said. Uh, you know, had asked me if there was a chance that the Flaming Groovies might be able to do a gig there. And um, I said, yeah, there's a, there's a good possibility that could happen. Then, strangely enough, a few months later in November, Tim Pittman, who was uh, the organiser and promoter for a tour, um, a, a big bunch of gigs in Australia put on by the Hoodoo Gurus, called the Hoodoo Gurus Invitational Dig It Up, it's called. Oh, that looked, that looked like a great show. I mean, it, I was almost wanting to go down to Australia yeah. and see it. it was there, there were, there were so many great yeah, bands, yeah. the Lime Spiders, um, my old friend Peter Case and his band, who were absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, the gurus who, as always, were, were fabulous. Yeah. Um, 
Because they uh, were contemporaries of the Barracudas, weren't they, really? Yeah, indeed, yeah. Yes, and, and, and big flaming groovy fans, um, which, yeah. which I kind of knew because I, I had met them uh, a couple of times over the years. Um, and the last time when they played the Forum in 2008, um, mm. my girlfriend at the time, um, Anne Law, had introduced me you know, properly to them. Uh, and um, I think that was the kind of catalyst for, for that. Mm. Um, to, uh, anyway, Tim's, uh, Tim's brother lives down the road, um, just a few streets uh, away from me uh, here in uh, Kentstown. He was saying, you know, is there a chance that the Groovies would do this? And that hatched a plan in my head <laughs> where I thought, hmm, Japan, Australia. <laughs> it's not that far, is it? You know, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Let's yeah, see yeah, yeah, yeah. if we can do this. Yeah, yeah. And so I approached the other members. Um, the one thing that we were... It, it was George Alexander um, and Cyril and I had been speaking. Um, and that was, that you know, the, 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 yeah. the three, you know, the three <laughs> boys who are the, you know... Right. The three guys who are still doing it. Yeah. Basically, although George hadn't played in in some years, but um, you know, fell back into it very easily after you know practicing. He's great, mm. live. George yeah, is, he's, he's stunning. Isn't he's, he, George? he's a force he's of nature, really isn't he? Amazing. Mm. But um, yeah. um, we couldn't have done it without the fact that Cyril. We were thinking of who we could have on drums, and Cyril um, said, "Well, there's a guy that had played in the Magic Christian, his band, um, named Victor Penalosa." And Victor's thing is that he's um, been playing drums since he was a young lad, and he was a Flaming Groovies fan th uh, via his parents from when he was a very young lad. Yeah. Mm. So he was, you know, uh, w he knew all the songs. Yeah. And he, he had played drums to all yeah, the songs. Great. He was brilliant. He was thank you. Victor was uh, just thank you for Victor. Yeah, it was very uh, we wouldn't have been able to do it without Victor's fantastic. incredible knowledge of the songs and 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 fabulous yeah. drumming. Well, that's how you was. That's why you were so great live. I yeah. thought live. Thank you, you. You know, when I saw you at the Scala, I thought live. You know, you, you really you just done one gig at the Live Nations the previous night. I think supporting Springsteen. Well, we you? were yeah. Well, we were yeah. supporting and him. He was, was he was a mile away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this was your own gig, and of course yes. the other thing was. You had Matthew Fisher on on Hammond, didn't yes, you? Yes. And that was just that was that was understated and beautiful. Yes. As well, well Matthew it? Matthew doesn't like to make a big thing out of who he is and where he comes from. Mm. Um, he had played on two songs on my previous um, two records, "Love Love Over Money," which is you know pretty much unheard. Nobody's it came and went very quickly. But that had a good as well, didn't it? Yeah, indeed, it had well. it had some groovies on it and um, and and various others. And Matthew uh, was approached uh, through another friend, um, was sent the songs, and you know he was he was a fan of Shake Some Action. Apparently, he quite right. liked the song. <laughs>
I go back to the fantastic gig that you played in London at the Scala and um, meeting up with Paul, who you hadn't seen for about 35 years. Yes, that was fabulous. <laughs> well, that was, that, I mean, that was pretty amazing. I, I, I mean, I just, Steve, actually, it was Steve, actually, took me off and he said, Paul, you know, the group is doing the gig in London. I said, what? I said, you're joking. Said, well, we, we got in touch with you and you, you came down to our rehearsal, did you That's know? right. That's and, right. Uh, so that was such a strange day because I hadn't seen the boys you know, in years and years, uh, and uh, well, I, I did spend Christmas with George at the beginning of this year, um, Christmas and New Year's in Arizona, where he wow, lives in Tucson, fantastic. which was cool. Um, anyway, so you know, I'm sitting there going, Where are they? It's three o'clock, <laughs> and suddenly Matthew Fisher drives in, you yeah. know, I went. Um, then the boys turned up, and and it was it was all go, and it, it was, was amazing. There we were, um, and there's Paul. And there's me. <laughs> After I hadn't seen, hadn't seen him in thirty five years, I recognised him instantly. So Paul, you took some of the very, let's say very very early, but when they were sort of at their peak, probably in the late seventies. Well, in, in, in seventy eight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been a, a Groovy's fan since seventy two, really, and. Uh, I was desperate to see them, and I, 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 it was so strange because uh, when Chris was uh, doing the um, July the Fourth gig uh, with the Ramones in uh, 1976 at the Roundhouse, I was actually in Massachusetts <laughs> where he was born. You know, that, this, is, this is the amazing thing. But it was, it was. There we were underneath Railway Arch in Holloway Road. You know, and I hadn't seen these guys. And since they'd done a gig up in at the Rafters in Manchester in uh, in uh, late spring of '78, you know, yes. when they were right, yeah. when they were promoting uh, their album Flaming Groovies Now. Yeah, it was it was great to see them again. I've always been a huge Groovies fan, and I tell you what, being in that rehearsal room, yeah, it was like being a teenager again, <laughs> really. Because well, you you have been a teenager since you saw them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have, I have. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because when we interviewed you. <laughs> In our very first podcast, when we looked at your early career as a rock photographer, obviously the Flaming Groovies were the first band you mentioned, you know, them and Dr. Mm. Feelgood. That's right. And I think there was a sort of similarity with Dr. Feelgood. I always found with Flaming Groovies and Dr. Feelgood that they were sort of pre-punk. Yeah. And they were playing sort of pretty much traditional rhythm and blues or rock and roll, covering lots of classics. Well, but actually yeah. pre... The, always found a soft spot with the punks, didn't they? And, and were always often classified as a punk band, you know. So funny. And, and became this sort of cult, and that they, they, people sort of looked back and said, well, actually, pre-punk, there was all this sort of great music going on, which was raw and primal R&B. Well, that's right, because, they, you know, the Groovies never messed around. They were playing straight down the line rock and roll. During that period of the 70s, when, when there was all kinds of weird, you know, stuff going on and not to say that the Groovies didn't have uh, an element of psychedelia about them as well which sure. they did you know yeah. and, uh, and uh, here's Chris with his uh, mini sitar here yeah. and here we get the psychedelic roots of the Flaming Groovies Sorry, it needs to tune in <laughs> <laughs> need some strings I think it's Chris it's actually it's, it's only missing a yeah, couple yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, just so that's that's where we found out that the Flaming Groovies were a psychedelic band. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was, uh, and then of course you know the, the gig was the gig was a fantastic gig, and uh, I thought I thought you really came up to the mark that night. Chris, Thank you very honestly. much, mate. Cyril, with that 
with that wonderful plexiglass guitar, mm. which is on on the front cover of um, T- uh, Teenage Head. Of Teenage yes. Head, that same guitar. It was unbelievable. He's had that, and that's a heavy old guitar. That isn't oh, it, it is. Mm. Oh, it weighs yeah, a ton. Weigh a ton. But you it know, sounds fantastic, doesn't it? Thank you, Paul. You know, I wish people would concentrate more on things like that than the uh, recent reviewer who. Um, you know, uh, I haven't seen this review, but I was told uh, some disparaging things that he said some nice things, but then went on about Cyril's hair, and yeah. then uh, you know went on to say that I looked like I drunk the contents of my mini bar in my hotel room before I turned up. Well, you probably had. <laughs> well, it, I had indeed, but, but you know. I think uh, this is I, so I, what. Yeah. So what? Exactly. But here at the Retro Man blog, we're not into any of that stuff. Thank we're just you, into music. You sure know, we're me. into music, and we don't care what people look like or how old they are or what they wear. You know, we can't rip their piss. How old they are now? <laughs> no, <laughs> it doesn't matter because, because we're all a bunch of old bastards. Yeah, we are. If you're lucky, we are. You know. But the great thing is, is that there's a bunch of old men out there. Who are still playing some fantastic music? Well, nobody I mean, ever said not that just about, old, but yeah. old and and there's so many young bands. Nobody too. ever said that about Muddy Waters or, or no. you know Sunhouse or people like that. They were what they were. That's um, right. No matter how old you are, you are you know, and uh, no matter what your Absolutely proclivities right. are, as long as you come up with the goods, that should be the major thing. <laughs> but uh, you just mentioned um, Sunhouse there. Chris. Yes. Yes. Yes, and, I met uh, Sunhouse at um, the University of Omaha in 1971 on a tour with the Flaming Groovies, um, and uh, I was I was uh, blessed with actually having had those incredibly wonderful gnarled hands like the roots of an old tree in mm. mine, um, and uh, and he sang this song. And which song was that? It's called John the Revelator. It's not the whole song, unfortunately. Uh, I don't think, but. Um, uh, because there's about there's about 15 verses to it, uh, really. Um, it, it's a song that was written uh, around the time of, of the Civil War, uh, mm. the American Civil War, not the British one. Yes, yeah, uh, so, so, I mean, Sun House, I mean, he was, uh, I think he did that, I think he recorded John the Revelator in, in the 60s. Yes, he you was, know? he was very old even then. He was very old, but he was one of those guys who spent his time in, in Parchment Farm That's prison. right, that's right. And uh, he had recorded also He's, with Joanne Kelly here in England. That's right, fabulous, fabulous record. Mm-hmm. And the book of the seven seals. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. Um, John the Revelator. Tell me who's that writing, John the Revelator. Tell me who's that writing, John the Revelator. Tell me who's that writing, John the Revelator. Wrote the book of the seven seals. Who's that writing, John the Revelator. Tell me who's that writing. John the Revelator. Well, who's that writing? John the Revelator wrote the book of the seven seas. You know, God walked down in the cool of the day, called Adam by his name. And he refused to answer because he's naked and ashamed. Who's that writing? John the Revelator, who's that writing? John the Revelator, who's that writing? John the Revelator wrote the book 
on a seventh sea. So that was uh, Sunhouse and John the Revelator, and that was so that was a big influence on you. Um, yes, I mean I, I loved the blues from a very early age. Um, both my brothers were big um, kind of um, urban, um, uh, well, folk music fans and urban blues fans. And my brother Stephen, um, back in the early '60s, was um, was a waiter at a, a, a club in Cambridge, Massachusetts, called the Club Forty Seven Coffee House, which was a, a fabulous place where all the great bluesmen played, all the great folk artists played, from Bob Dylan to Dave Van Ronk. Um, and I was allowed after I was like kind of 12 years old when I came back from from Britain the first time. Uh, because it was a coffee house, so if I sat in the corner and belted up, you know, that I got to s sit and see and meet these people as well. Um, wow. James Cotton and um, Sonny McGee and Brownie Terry and, wow. uh, and Sun House. And, and these were all people that were a great influence on me. So how did you get from Massachusetts to L.A., which is where the, we obviously we know the Groovies is like a San Francisco sort of California band. So sure. Did, well, I, I played with some guys in a band called um, the Pr Prince and the Paupers, uh, which were a very popular New England, uh, well, Massachusetts band. Uh, they were from Arlington, Massachusetts, actually, a, a couple of towns over from, from me, um, whom I met when I was 16 in 1968. And um, the band had broken up, but I was playing with uh, a guy called Chris Cunningham and Dennis Corzo. They uh, were, became members of, of Loose Gravel, um, except for Chris Cunningham, who, uh, I don't know what happened to him, I think he imploded at some point. So you ended up in LA? Yes, I, I had come out to join a band with them and it, it didn't work out because I was expected to um, to be uh, a comfort boy for, no, for their yeah. producer, <laughs> which, um, yes, which didn't jibe with me really. You ended up keeping Sven on. Garlic, you ended up like. keeping in Flip Wilson's basement. That's right. Yes, I, uh, I was. I was told by another hippie in, in Laurel Canyon, "Hey man, Flip Wilson's house is empty. You know, you must be able to find a, uh, you know, find 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 an open uh, cellar window and get in, get in that basement, man. It's warm and dry." <laughs> you know, which I did, and I, 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 I had to keep there for for a week or ten days um, uh, but until. Then, but then you were then you were then somebody heard about uh, the fact that you were down there and, and flew you up to San Francisco That's to right. meet Mike Will. The, the old bass player of um, Prince and the Pop as a guy called Phil Phil Cabuzzi was in San Francisco and had mm. been there for some some months and had heard that I'd come out. You know, as you know, the grapevine goes, and called these guys and said, uh, "Where's Chris? You know, let me talk to Chris." And they said, "Oh, well, we've uh, we've had to cut him loose." You know, so he said, "Well, get him at this. You let Chrissy, you know, there in L.A. on his own. Mm. You know, you scumbags, get him to this phone tonight, or I'm going to come down there and massacre you." Mm. So they did. They found me in Schwab's drugstore and. Um, where you had the uh, a never empty cup of coffee for twenty five cents, where <laughs> many people you know used to see Tom Waits there and people like that right, and various right. starlets. Phil said, you know, there's a guy called Michael Wilhelm who I knew who the charlatans were, and he said he's got a new band called Loose Gravel and they're looking for a lead vocalist and I know you're exactly what he's looking for, so have these toe rags, you know drive you to the airport and there'll be a ticket waiting for you there for San Francisco and I'll pick you up. 
But the Charlatans were quite an influential band. They were one of the first sort of real psychedelic they bands. Were. They were. They certainly were, man. And, and they, they had the first kind of psychedelic artwork mm. and posters yes. as well. Mm. Uh, yeah. We must stipulate this is the, the American band called the Charlatans, not yeah, the not later yes. British The Charlatans. Charlatans, yeah. yeah. Not Charlatans UK as they have to call themselves now. Yeah. So Loose Gravel, was that... How did they get to hear about you? And they, they obviously knew about you. Well, um, the bass player was was <laughs> was also from from Arlington, Massachusetts, and knew oh, who I was. Good. And and Phil, uh, who was the bass player of of uh, um, Prince and the Paupers, yeah, had had found out that I was in L.A. and um, you know demanded these guys you know produce me, yeah, uh, you know um, habeas corpus <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> here is the body, and. Um, <laughs> and and got me to San Francisco. And um, the next day, I had um, I had an audition with Michael Wilhelm, who turned up in all his glory on a 1950s matchless motorcycle, in green tie-dyed coveralls, um, engineer <laughs> boots, a studded motorcycle jacket with a pirate on it, um, a, a leather uh, like a, a chauffeur leather chauffeur's hat like Marlon Brando in the yeah. Wild One, and a beard down to his sternum. Um, and uh, the first thing he said when he saw me was, hey, Frank Sinatra. Because <laughs> I was skinny as a rake in those days. Well, I hadn't eaten in days anyway. Well, you were, uh, you, how old were you then? Nine, 18? 18, 19? I was 18, oh, 18. years old. Yep. So what did he think when you were confronted by this apparition? Did he want to get back on the plane to... I, it was, he was kind of daunting, you know. Yeah. But, but we, we got on instantly. We... We smoked a couple of Jabonets and, uh, and we <laughs> yeah, were, yeah, yeah. And, and had some southern comfort. And we yeah, were, um, and you're right there. He was, he was. Uh, Michael was like nine years older than me, but saw somehow saw the spark in me that I was. Yeah. And uh, and uh, these songs, loose gravel, are you know songs I'm very proud of because they were my really my first professionally recorded. Uh, by Richard Olson, the bass player of um, of uh, the Charlatans, had a had a studio called Pacific High Recorders. Great name, <laughs> great studio as well, fabulous studio. And um, and we recorded, um, I think, about eight or ten tracks. And uh, I think there was one called "Hear the People." Great. Well, let's hear uh, it. Which is one of Michael's songs that I uh, I, I sing uh, I sing back and vocals with uh, Rick Kunstler nephew of uh, uh, Chicago 8 lawyer William Kunstler. So is this, the, is, is this your first uh, uh, guitar recording on here, Chris, is it? Um, it's, it's one of the first, yeah. Right. Um, you can't really hear my guitar on this one. On the Loose Gravel uh, record, there's, there's a couple of things. Right. My first slide guitar part, which I played live on KSA and uh, FM radio, which is, it's kind of all over the place but, here and there, but... But this is your first vocal recording, pretty well, one of it's, your first Yeah, it's one of the first ones I... Well, let's hear it. Hear the people. Hear the people. By Loose Gravel. Get higher every day If you should want to get ahead 
Thank you. The that's, that's a great, great track, and of course, uh, you know, that's Mike Wilhelm's band, Loose Gravel. Yeah. And uh, you know, some of your uh, first recordings, Chris. Yes. And, well, uh, first professional course, ones. Mike yeah. Wilhelm was was uh, was always reckoned to be one of the greatest guitarists um, uh, on the West Coast. I mean, uh, I, I think that um, Jerry Garcia said that he was um, his favourite guitarist. Um, Absolutely. Right? Yes. Have you ever been run over by a Mike Wilhelm guitar solo? You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that, 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 that was a that's track, beautiful. Yeah, that, yes. that is a really beautiful oh, track. Willie, 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 yeah, Willie, Willie's got this basso profundo voice and uh, incredible delivery. Um, he is the man, you know, that got me into mainstream kind of music, you know, and gave me a chance. So Loose Gravel is, is where, this is where the connection with the Flaming Groovies comes in, isn't it? Because you supported the Flaming Groovies. That's correct. And then they seem to take a bit of a shine to you, is that right? I mean, yes, we, we did this tour with the Flaming Groovies. Um, uh, I remember Michael, Michael, Kenny and Gino, who was our drummer. Um, it might have had something to do with Dan, who was the original drummer of the Charlatans. We, we became friendly on this tour of, of five or six gigs, I can't remember, in the Midwest, that the great expanse of miles and miles of miles and miles. So the Flaming Groovies have actually already been playing for quite a while, haven't they? And what, and what did you think of the band? Did you know about them I'll when, tell you, before I'll they approached you? I'll they, tell you a funny story. To, to know what you I should tell you a funny story. Um, in 1971, I was living in um, in Harvard, just just outside of Harvard Square in Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, where Harvard University is. And I used to go to the Harvard Co-op, which is the, the kind of university shop where you get your, you know, your exercise books and. But they also had clothes and stuff and records and stuff. So I was going through the records one day. Um, sort of recent releases, you know, going, no, 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 no. So, you know, looking at these various bands. Flaming Groovies, I thought, that's a funny name. <laughs> it was um, Flamingo or Flaming Go, which yeah. is actually what it means. Oh, yeah. It has nothing to do with, you know, the funny bird. It's the Flaming Groovies Go from no, um, Kama Sutra. And um, I pulled out this record. If you know the cover of Flamingo, or Flamingo, as is more popularly known, I just went, what the are this lot? <laughs> Jesus! I mean, Cyril in his like j copy of John Lennon's jacket, leather coat that he wore at um, uh, this uh, uh, some party in 1968, George 
<laughs> with a kind of caveman um, woolly waistcoat and nothing else. Roy with a bolero sort of <laughs> jacket on with eye makeup. I just went, oh, these guys, this is very strange. <laughs> what are they into? Unfortunately, I didn't have the money to buy the record because I really wanted to. And how was I to know that sort of about a year later I was going to be in the band? Oh, oh right. And how, how did, was the opening for you to get in there? Was this because of the, the singer left? Well, yes. Um, at, at, um, um, did Roy quit? It, it was a kind of mutual um, yeah, see you later kind of thing. Um, Roy Roy wanted to move on and and pursue his acting career, which right. he's a fabulous actor. He, he was great. He's a great songwriter, great singer. I love him to death, and I think we're we're quite good friends. We have a good time whenever we're together. But at that time, he'd had enough, and the Groovies had had enough of him for whatever reasons. They just wanted to part ways. And they needed someone, you know, to, to fill the gap. Yeah. And um, Cyril and George and Danny had been um, impressed by, by me, you know, mm. which I was quite flattered. And, uh, yeah. you know, uh, I was over the moon, actually, because Loose Gravel had been blackballed by Bill Graham. The, I told everyone this and said, look, I've had enough, I'm going, you know, my, my sister's going to wire me some money and I'm off. And the Flaming Groovies, um, later that day, turned up at uh, where I was living in Fifth Avenue in uh, San Francisco, in the avenues, and said, well, look, man, you know, Roy and us have parted ways. Yeah. Uh, we'd like you to join the band. You know, uh, we've talked to Michael. Wilhelm was very upset about it, but um, he could see that, you know, it was uh, something that, um, that he didn't want to stand in the way of my career, yeah. Yeah. which was a great thing for him. I was able to... <laughs> repay the favour when James Farrell yeah. had enough of playing uh, with the Flaming Groovies and um, that's right, we need Mike to join the Groovies later that's you? right well <laughs> Cyril said who are we going to get you know because yeah. we, we wanted to have three six string guitars or three 12 string three, guitars yeah. that's amazing as yeah. we have we had played with three 12 string guitars on oh, stage yeah, that's an amazing life. it's rather awesome but it's yeah. very hard to get them all in tune I was going <laughs> to say yeah but <laughs> so what was the first Groovy's record that you performed and wrote songs for? Um, that, well, we now went... we're talking about 71, was it? 19, yes, 70s? yes. Well, um, we, we did a work tape at Danny's, uh, in Danny's front room in 48th Avenue, um, which is, uh, we gave to a French uh, record, uh, a record label guy in 1972. It's called Grease. Mm. But um, it's got, it was a work tape that we recorded live with two microphones, no overdubs, and um, it, it's, um, it's, got, uh, it's got Slow Death, it's got um, uh, a song that we've just recently re-recorded called um, Let Me Rock, which uh, our new version quite surpasses it, but yeah. the energy on this record is undeniable and, yeah. and Fabulously, yeah. um, it 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 really rocks to hell. Okay. We did it all in one take. We just did it from the beginning to the end, and I think that's pretty impressive. You know, even for that time. Yeah. Um, although when we brought it to the uh, to this guy called Marty Surf, who was uh, the representative of United Artists in Hollywood, he was pissed off because we were five minutes late, and he was sitting there going. 
come on, come on, where you guys been? Where you guys been? Come on, put your tape on. Yeah. So he put it on, and he went, he's sitting there going, no, 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 no. Hey, it's too vague, you know, it's too vague. I'm sorry, guys, it's too vague, yeah? You know, you take up my time, it's too vague. See you later, thank you very much, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> So you thought that was it? it yeah, like, that was yeah. it. So we, we, we um, Andrew Lauder, who uh, was the uh, the head of uh, arts repertoire for for United Artists in London. Um, well, Andrew said, "Well, don't let that be. Don't think it's the end. You know, I'm going to try to get you over here." Which, after months and months and months, and finally Cyril um, flying over himself, was able to force their hand, and finally in uh, in May 1972. They caved in and flew us over. And that's flew us over to the UK. Yes, indeed. Your spiritual yes. home. Yeah. <laughs> and your literal home. Indeed. Now. Well, yeah. I, um, the, the home of me forefathers. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the first song that you, you would say that you were really proud of, that you brought to the Flaming Groovies, that you'd say this is the first uh, song? That would, that, be, that would be Let Me Rock. Cyril and I wrote that in 1971. There was also another one called um, All I Wanted which didn't come out till, um, I think that's on Flaming Groovies now. Mm. You know, we, we used to put things aside and say, let's save that so, yeah, for later. Yeah. Well, let's hear it. Let's hear All I Wanted. Have we got it? Flaming Groovies. I say. It's on now, isn't it? It's an absolute shout. Right, and that was All I Wanted by the Flaming Groovy, so that was uh, one of your early tracks with the band. When did you write that? We actually wrote that in 1971. But you didn't actually record it until 78? Uh, 78, that's right. Um, oh, right. No, 77. 77. Mm. Yeah, it was that, on that Flaming Groovies Now. Flaming Groovies Now. Okay. Yes, well, we, we, always, we always had... Uh, we, we would write a song... We had, we had a backlog. I've still got, I've got Flaming Groovy songs that w were never recorded that mm. I, I still, you know, have that will, are going to come out in the next, um, Bra in the next Something few months. Brass in pocket, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We hope. Yeah. So what do you think of coming over to England then and recording and... Well, I mean, it was coming home for me. So, there you are, you're over here and uh, you come over in uh, with Andrew Lauder in, in, in uh, yep. 72. That's right. And, and what was well, this album was... that you were going to record when you came over? Well, we weren't sure. Oh. Now, we were, we were tunnelled into this hotel, which is still there, in, uh, in Belsize Park. It's actually sort of Primrose Hill, Belsize Park. It's now called the Britannia. It was called the Clive then. 
It was a five-star Michelin-starred hotel. Oh, very nice. And um, we didn't have a lot of friends here. And um, we had we had this um, minicab driver who was like, anything you want, boys, I get you anything. What you want? You want ham sandwich, five in the morning, I get you that. You want whatever you want, I get. So, you know. No, so we were, we were here... <laughs> We were there in Belsize Park, you know, we used to drink in the Washington Arms Hotel, where I, years later, ten years later, I lived just up the road. Do you actually get around to do any recording? Yes, time? we did. Um, it's a very funny story, this. We, Cyril and I, when, when Cyril and I kind of got tight at uh, the end of 1971, and uh, we were at a friend's house who was a, 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 it was a kind of comfort station for us where we used to go and um, relax with um, old, very old bottles of wine and, and uh, newer herbal remedies. <laughs> and Cyril, we, we loved Dave Edmonds, you know, and I'd, I'd heard, I hear knocking. Cyril came in and said, Chris, you've got to hear this shit, man, you're going to love this. And he put this record on, and I, I, can't, I can't remember, it was a B-side of one of Dave's records, and it was called I'm Coming Home. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, it's, um, it's actually Stephen Foster's um, Old Black Joe, which yeah. Edmonds, and it, I was absolutely friggin' transported mm-hmm. by his playing, by the production, by just... But that in. is a brilliant production. I hear you knocking. It's got that echo chamber, hasn't it? Well, Dave did all this himself in the, the potato loft at Rockfield before they actually even had a proper studio there. Well, this is 1969, before the first main studio was, was done. But um, I'm coming home just, I went, Jesus Christ, man. Um, a few months later, Cyril came, I, and he had gotten a copy of... Um, the first rock pile album. And there's Dave, you know, on the front in his, you know, his kind of strange, kind of vaguely 19th century finery. And on the back is a picture of him in his garden in the Greys, this house that he had in Monmouth, um, with kind of his equipment set up in the garden and his, his two little Yorkies, his two little Yorkshire Terriers he used to go with him everywhere. When I heard that and I said, I want to be there, man. I want to be there. Eight months later, I was standing right there. You were there. So I was there. And what are the chances of that? So you picked yeah. him as your producer. That's who you wanted. Yep. Yeah. So when, when we came over and we said to United Artists and to Andrew, um, we, well, we want, we want to record at Rockfield. Andrew went, oh, it's no problem. No problem. No, yeah, it's, it's fabulous. Yes, what a, what a good idea. Fantastic. I said we want Dave Edmonds to produce us. He went, oh, Dave, yes, Dave, Dave's available apparently. Yes, we'll, we'll. <laughs> so here we, you know, gaily go off, waiting, you know, in the, in rehearsals, um, you know, going through all the songs we're going to do, and uh, we're duly dispatched down to Rockfield in a couple of uh, in a couple of uh, people movers. Unbeknownst to us, the day before, um, Dave and Kingsley Ward, who's the the oh, owner Kingsley of Rockfield yeah, Studios, yeah, yeah. Dave would come up from his place, and they would uh, they'd get all the music papers delivered on a Monday, and they'd you know kind of meet at some time in the morning, 
in in the in the main studio in Rockford. There was only one studio in those days. And Kingsley was a musician himself. Oh, Kingsley's well. a fabulous really? a great player, musician. incredible yeah, yeah, guitar yeah. player. And they're they're looking through the music, and Kingsley and Kingsley goes, "Oh yes, oh they're coming, you know, the Flaming Groovies, you know, this American band." And Dave went, "Oh yeah, they're coming, yeah, yeah, I heard about them." And he went, "Oh, do you see here? It says produced by Dave Edmonds." <laughs> and Dave went. Nobody fucking told so no him. <laughs> Nobody had told him. God bless him. This is what you know. Dave was an incredibly good egg in those days. Hello, boys. <laughs> he never said a word. So, what came out of these the first sessions of? Well, the it was um, Slow Death. Yeah. Tallahassee Lassie. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Little Queenie. Fabulous. Dave plays piano on that. Shakes some action. So pretty much all the real classic songs, isn't it? Um, I'm trying to think what else. Maybe that's it. Married I'm Woman. Sure. Married Woman. Oh, Married Woman. Oh my God, what a well, session you, that you was. Pick, you pick that. Yikes. Oh, I think Married Woman is... It is. kicks ass. We do it now. That is we do it on stage now. Song. I'll tell well, you let's what. hear it. Let's Georgie hear, sings it. Let's hear Married Woman. Yes, shall we? This is the Flaming Groovies. Fantastic married. Yikes! What that had Dave production. Edmonds on slide guitar and uh, Dave. You know, Dave plays piano, piano and pedal steel on that. Um, Cyril plays Moog. Oh no, Dave play. No, it's a Putney synthesizer. It's not a Moog on that. It's called a Putney tone generator and a Mellotron. One of the, the early Mellotrons with the split keyboard, um, yeah. like the Beatles used on. Uh, Strawberry fields. I must admit, as a, as a Groovies fan, I, I, <laughs> that, that, I'm just, I, I've always wondered how you ever got that production together. Yeah, was a fantastic what was on song. it? It's, yeah. it's incredible. It, it's, it's absolutely incredible. It's, it's, and it's, and you, you know, played that live with, um, at the Scala with George. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. played that live. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was just superb yeah. live. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, we had Matthew luckily doing Matthew the drones the in the background. Yeah, you know, yeah. It was, it was yeah, fantastic. So Matthew Fisher is, is uh, the Pro Quaharum. 
Yeah. Hammond. But, he but he plays with us uh, when we're in Britain, if he can. Yeah. And um, we're really incredibly to blessed to have him. He plays with, with on yeah. things that he likes. And I hope, well, really I think he had a good time. And, um, yeah, it was a great live, wasn't it? You know? Yeah. So then you, came, you went back to this, and then back to Rockfield with Dave Edmonds. And this is where you were actually with the Groovies. Photographing them. Well, yeah, and this is right. now forward to nineteen seventy-eight. Because I was at, I, it was really strange. I mean, <laughs> I was. This was I the was, first time that you met the Groovies. I was the yes. first time I met the Groovies. I, we I we snagged him. I was on the side <laughs> of the stage at the New Year's Eve gig in nineteen seventy-seven. Cyril and I took a liking right. to him. At the, at the, He's the, a likable kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> Was, he is rather, isn't he? I was on the side of the stage <laughs> at, the, at the Ramones gig uh, at, uh, at the Rainbow. And uh, I, met, I can't remember who this character was, who, who said, oh, well, I've got, I, I'm, I'm going down to Rockfield tomorrow and uh, I'm going to see the Groovies. Uh, they're uh, recording with Dave Edmonds out. Do you fancy coming down? I went, yeah. Blow me, we drove down there in my motor, in my little old Mini. Mm. We got down there. I ended up drinking Wasn't with these guys in the Green Man in Monmouth, where I got their <laughs> photographs sitting at the, on the bench with Dave Edmonds. And yeah. I've still got that classic picture of them in there. You know, it, it, was, it was amazing. No, that's the Robin Hood. That's the Robin Hood. It's the Robin Hood. Is yeah, it? it's the Robin it's Hood. It's the Robin Hood. Aye, that's the Robin Hood. Oh. And what were you recording then? With, uh, uh, we were recording Flaming Groovies Now. So what um, track from those sessions would you say would be your pick? From, oh, this is for the Now album. So oh, what? God. I would say, uh, how about Between the Lines? Oh, yes. Between no, the well, lines. that was actually... Um, now, that's a funny story. Because, um, because isn't that your... This is, isn't it's that it's of kind tracks? of my track, yeah. Yeah, 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 I thought so. And um, I, I, had, um, I said, well, you know, I worked on this harpsichord part for months. And I said, Jesus, I wish I had a fucking harpsichord. And Cyril went, let's get one. And I went, can we? He went, yeah, the fuck not. Um, so I got a, a small Charles Ogle and Sons single manual harpsichord. It was about the size of this table, but it had it was had the most incredibly beautiful action. Yeah, and I sound, sat down there for a week and practiced my bloody fingers off for this part. It is a brilliant record, though. Thank uh, you so and much. It's, it's a fantastic record. It's well, my, and it is, it is actually uh, one and, of my favourite And Cyril, Cyril's playing, um, Cyril's playing an old Mellotron as well in the oh, middle. Right. Well, let's hear it let's between hear. the lines.
things start to wind down with the flaming groovies. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. Wasn't it the case, Chris, that the groovies spent, you know, te they'd spent ten years together trying to sort it out, and it didn't quite happen for we, them. We we never got the support we needed. Yeah. You know, we never got the push that we needed. Whether we were attacked right off, or a, a, a curiosity, or what, or punk kind of made us redundant. Yeah, but the great thing is you about, know, about the um, groovies, Chris, is that you've you know you've recorded some of the greatest tracks ever recorded. Oh, thank in you my so opinion. much. Thank you so much. There's no question you know, about it. And Steve, I mean, yeah. you know, some of those recordings, you know, you know it's guys like you that that you know as I say give me a premium here and make me want to keep going because well, in, the, in the face of adversity and and being eschewed by the public sometimes you know people now they're thinking oh my god the flaming groove is they're, they're back together let's go and see them and, and there was a you know, yeah, apart from being a, a the gig, still alive, the gig yeah. Scala, I mean, there was not only people like me who who were big, you know. Well, fans, this is this is. But there was our, um, there was there was a lot of young guys there, a, a lot of young fans there who'd never seen you. That's well, right, like I mean, me, right? Well, the, the, <laughs> <laughs> the greatest, the greatest one was our last gig that we did before I came back to Britain um, at the Echo Plex um, in. Um, in Los Angeles, uh, where the Stones had just played a couple of weeks before, everywhere we played, from the first gig we did in Tokyo to the last gig I played with the Groovies um, uh, a, a few weeks back in, mm. in Los Angeles. Um, and we had a, a 10 minute third encore that we weren't going to go out again because yeah. we really didn't have any more songs. And um, the play whole place was they were jumping up and down and smashing the floor and things and screaming mm. more and more and more. Yeah. So yeah. after 10 minutes, we thought, well, we've got to do something. So we went out and did Run Over Beethoven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> Which is, you know, it was like, all right, folks, this, this is, is it. it. This is the, the moment. This is all, you know. So we've got... <laughs> no, well, you know, we, we add more, but of course, we don't want to do Flaming Groovy songs that ain't rehearsed. I know in December we're playing the Purple uh, Weekend in uh, Leon in Spain. Right. Okay. Um, I'm playing with the Barracudas in Italy the 13th, 14th of September in oh. Rome and somewhere else. I'm not quite sure where. And of course, we haven't really actually spoken about your uh, Barracudas uh, no, this is terrible. situation. Oh, and, uh, yeah. so of so course, after, because after this the group, you, know, you, like... you, you ended up joining up with... Um, your sounds writer Jeremy Glass. <laughs> That's right. Right, I remember Jeremy, Jeremy on Samuel sound. And, My dear um, friend. You know, you ended up um, in, uh, you know, playing out actually on, on, on what I think is is the Barracuda's greatest album. Meantime, well, it's I think one of I my favourite records. I think it's, that it's, I've it's, ever it's, done it's, as well. It's, it's, it's a great, a great record. record. And, and Robin Wills, Jeremy Gluck, Jim Dixon, and Terry Smith. The, the great drummer who's now in the uh, Elephant Gods in Sydney. So Chris, let's uh, play your pick of your Barracuda songs, and this is... Um, Be, Be My, My Friend Again, Again which is uh, one of the first songs that... Uh, well, it is the first song that I wrote with, um, with uh, Jeremy Samuel Glatt. Um, in 1982, um, as we recorded at Ringo Starr's house, which was John Lennon's house, Tittenhurst Park. Oh, right. Um, where I played John's big white piano, which was still there, and played the harmonium that, um, that he played on We Can Work It Out. 
I, I don't play them on these records because they, they were not available for our use. And uh, I was sitting doing a guitar part on, uh, on um, Be My Friend again, and I kind of got stymied for a bit. I just had to take a break, and I looked up, and there's Richie looking at me. Through the, he wasn't supposed to be there. And I looked up. Our producer was Pete Gage, who was an old friend of, of Richie and, uh, and, um, and, and Richie, Barbara. Richie, is this Richard Starkey? Yes, it is. He doesn't like Richie. to be called... He doesn't like, Richie. Richie. He doesn't like to be called Richie. that name. Okay. You know? right, okay. uh, I, I was told if I, if I met him not to, not to address him. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I looked up and he went... He was there laughing, going... <laughs> I was up, put the shizzle, yeah, he laughed. I went... <laughs> I went, it's all right, I'll just come to see what kind of dogs you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm, I'm happily surprised. You know. <laughs> and that's why you love Be My Friend Again. That's right. Well, well let's it, hear not it. Not only that, not only that, it's because it's, um, it's, it's a really cool love song, I think. And Jeremy wrote most of the lyrics. He wrote all the lyrics. I, I wrote the guitar part. So. Fantastic. It's, it's, I love it. Well, let's hear it. And I think we all do. Let's hear the Barracudas and be my friend again. When I saw you again, my friend, yesterday, I dreamed up all the words that you would say. But you and I both know that this can be true, because you never said to me, I love you, and everything I do goes so wrong. And I've been alone too long Much too long But now you're here again, my friend I know that I've been waiting for you to say Oh, baby, please come back to me and stay Forgive me, please, for all of my sad mistakes Cause you know that they won't be made again When I know So you've got you've got quite a bit going for you at the moment, Chris. You've got your you've got your uh, your solo album out, the Flaming Groovy, Flaming and Groovy. plus, of course, you've got uh, the Flaming Groovies are back together. Yes, you know, and uh, which is fans is that you're recording a new album. Yes, and well, <coughs> we we have three three tracks recorded. I'm sorry we can't uh, we can't go into them Divulge. here. Unfortunately, you know, it's just um, impossible to do that at this time. Um, so sooner sooner than later. Um, one of them is yes. Right. One of them is an absolutely brand new one written by Cyril, which right. I contribute to, and one of them is a cover by a group called uh, the New Rhythm and Blues Quartet, which I'm, that's all I can say about it. NRBQ. Right. So you're actually recording and writing brand new material as well. Yeah, we are. Sure, we are. And will you be putting these into your set? When you um, play your at, next gigs? As and when, yes, the two of them uh, are actually in the set. 
And are you, are you coming, are you, are you going to be doing some gigs in the UK? Um, I'm hoping so. I'm the last person to know for some reason. Because <laughs> you um, live here. <laughs> uh, as, as usual. Um, I know that we're playing in Europe sometime um, in the next three months, so that's all I can say. Excellent. Great, good, mm. good. Well, I mean, things are looking up. I mean, it's great that the group is getting is. recognition again. Well, and we'll see. Sort of and hopefully it will. I hope so. Yeah, I think they are. And it's, mm. it's great to see... The, the gigs packed out and people are talking about you again and it's good for your solo record so people should go out and check that out I'd just like people to come because uh, you know I think our music makes me feel good and anything that makes me feel good has got to be contagious because it takes a lot to make me feel good well, well it makes me well, feel the, good too the good thing yeah was, there we go you saw that see see gig. I told you exactly you saw the Scarlet <laughs> gig everyone was the smiling faces at the end of the gig no, right? people was, came out of there yeah. and I think the fact that there's a new group it was moving his record coming out is it was moving I mean for me as a groupies fan it was really moving yeah, well, I mean, uh, to see that, to, to see these guys Yikes. coming out and playing first groupies gig I've seen in 35 years and boy they played it like teenagers yeah. they <laughs> were fantastic One of my earliest influences, which was the very first song I learned how to play on guitar, uh, the first song I learned, which was even wasn't anything to do with Burt Whedon or Mel Bay, that I learned off my own bat, was a song that made me cry when I think I was 11 years old by Malvina Reynolds, which is called What Have They Done to the Rain. Uh, is that the song that was uh, later covered by the, the Searchers? It was co here? covered by the Searchers, I. Yeah. It's about pollution. And this song was written in 1960. 60. I think it was 1960 was or it after the nuclear testing it, in Nevada? It was 1960 or 61. I remember my brother playing this for me and being very moved. And I learned how to play it. It's an easy song. It's a song that, that you know, touched the heart of, of many activists and people over the years. 
and I think it, it should still. Let's hear it. Malvina Reynolds. God bless her. What have they done to the rain? Just a little rain falling all around. The grass lifts its head to the heavenly sound. Just a little rain. Just a little rain. What have they done to the rain? Just a little boy standing in the rain The gentle rain that falls for years And the grass is gone The boy disappears And rain keeps falling like helpless tears And what have they done to the rain? Just a little breeze out of the sky The leaves pat their hands as the breeze blows by Just a little breeze with some smoke in its eye What have they done to the rain? Steve and I are finding, um, with, with Retro Man, yes. there's so much demand and desire to hear rock and roll and the you best are, is yet to come and you are the purveyors of some seriously great rock and roll some of God the bless best you rock and roll that's so. ever been made anyway you know I'd just like to say thank you so much to everyone and, and Steve and, and, and Paul for, uh, thank you so much for this opportunity you have to look for Retro Man's blog which is retromanblog.com and to everyone who hears this, you know, thank you so much. Um, you know, I love you. I hope I see you soon. And I guarantee you that you won't be disappointed the next time you see us. Well, thank you very much, Chris. It's been a pleasure speaking to you today. Well, God and, bless um, us, one and all. How fabulous. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. And good luck thank with you the solo for... album and the Flaming Groovies uh, continuing reunion. And let's hope that we get lots more packed audiences full of smiling faces like we did at the Scarlet. Thank you, Steve. All I can say is... Um, don't hesitate if you see the Flaming Groovies are in your neighbourhood please come and I speak for myself and the rest of the Flaming Groovies and the Barracudas God bless you all and thank you very much I wish you all love happiness peace and understanding thank you God thank bless thank you Chris that's a pleasure to you enjoyed it and thank you Paul and don't forget to check out retromanblog.com and you can see links to all Chris's uh, back catalogue Flaming Groovy stuff some of Paul's rare photos Barracudas Barracudas everything do check it out so check out the blog and thank you very much Chris and we'd like to play everyone out with uh, your one of your favourite tracks Chris and what have you chosen for us today I have chosen this song by the great Reverend Gary Davis a song that should buoy everyone up and always remember there's a bright side somewhere there's a bright side somewhere there's a bright side Bright side somewhere, there's more joy somewhere, there's more joy somewhere. I'm gonna rest down till I find it. There's more joy somewhere, there's more love somewhere. 
Andrew ended up, uh, ended up, uh, you know, Radar. founding Radar Records, and, right. uh, and also re-releasing all that fantastic stuff uh, by the uh, by the. Uh, uh, the bleh. Bleh. <laughs> I know them. I talk about them all the yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, they were my favourite psychedelic. <laughs> yeah, the they 60s, were. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that favourite. Uh, <laughs> 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 yep. Turn it off.